0: At the end of the day, they're getting a $100 jacket and they're paying close to $400 for it. So Jason's model was to build a $150 jacket, use better materials. The, the cost of goods going into that jacket was more, using better ingredients. And he would sell it to the, straight to the consumer for $300. Hey. Welcome to the
1: Hoyt Bowhunting Hunting Podcast. I'm your host Alan Bolin, and I am really stoked today to have Kevin Wilkie, my longtime friend, who is uh, working with Kuyu. And uh, you know, interestingly, you know Kevin and I worked worked together quite a few times over the years at different companies, and we w- were working together at Kuyu again. It's pretty exciting. Yes, um,
0: like every brand I've ever worked with, like you've. You're there. You're one of the guys.
1: <laughs> Just <laughs> by coincidence, too. That's the funny yeah. thing. Yeah, it's yep. really cool. So, uh, so Kevin, what's your position with Kuyu? Marketing Development Director. Okay, uh, D- define that if you don't. Yeah. Mind.
0: So I manage most of our written content. So when you, I'm not the guy writing all of it, but I'm. It, it's going through my hands at one point or another, whether it's a product description or email, or something that you read from Kuyu, I am often the guy that helps put that together or oversees the management of it. Okay, so, And that I'm doing makes quite sense. a few other things as well, like um, do a fair amount of product testing. Um, you know, uh, my, my job revolves around the product mostly, yeah. and then our, our content that we put on our, our website. On our worn section,
1: it certainly seems like uh, Kuyu is one of the hottest brands in the hunting industry. Um, you know, it. You know, I've, I've been. I mean, what's it? Has it been about ten years now?
0: Exactly to the day. It, it's a funny that you ask that, but March thirtieth, um, ten years ago. Right now is when Jason Harrison flipped the switch and made Kuyu go live. <clears throat> Are you serious? Yeah. Today. Today. is
1: the anniversary. Yep, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no well, doubt. It's a pleasure to be talking about the brand then on on such an important day. That's cool. Why. Yeah. So so I you know I've I've watched it over over the last ten years. I, I was I mean I I have I have hunts in 2011 where I have pictures of myself wearing Kuyu. So I guess that was the first year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Um, that's, that's cool. So over the last 10 years, I I've seen this explode from where people couldn't even pronounce the name and people saying, what pattern is that? (laughs) Yeah. Some people still can't. That's true. You know, what pattern is that, or who makes that, those pants, or, you know, you'd hear all kinds of questions to today. Like when you pull out a hunting magazine and you flip through the trophy photos, I mean, you know, a, a large percentage of the pictures are people wearing kuyu. I mean, it has really exploded, especially in the western hunting scene. not not as much in the Midwest East Coast whitetail hunting scene, but in the western hunting, mountain hunting. um it's 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 absolutely exploded. It's been so fun to watch. So what is it like working in an environment like that? Is it, you know, do, do you see that movement? Is it exciting to see in, from inside?
0: Yeah, definitely. Like Kuyu has always been one of those brands that I've had an eye on. Like I had started out with my first Kuyu pack back in 2012 and um, just, you know, slowly built my kit and I was trying a lot of other brands. And, you know, eventually, you know, I, before I, I, everything I had gone through and tested and cycled, like at the end of the run it was like kuyu was always my first pick yeah um so but yeah it's been exciting to watch the growth like it's it's crazy to think just 10 years ago you know working closely with brendan burns uh, 10 years ago i was working at hoyt Um, right and and
1: of course we worked together there too
0: yeah (laughs) yeah so i was at hoyt at the time and uh i believe at the time we were like a real tree exclusive brand and it was Painful to not be able to wear like who you like is interesting. You know, we were we were kind of exclusive with that one camo company, and um, but as time went on, we're like this. It just makes sense that we we need to. I need personally, I need to be wearing this gear. But yeah, to your point, it, you know, it, it started in the West. That that's where our roots are at. Um, gear built specifically for mountain hunting, especially sheep hunting. Um, I, I've I'm not a sheep hunter but i definitely appreciate all the benefits on my high country mule deer hunts and elk hunts it's the same thing yeah it's totally the same thing yep so it's not for only that like it's not you you can't use it for whitetail hunting i mean there's no tons of guys that do
1: of course of course we both do i mean it's it works fantastic but it just hasn't it's not um I, I, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a definitely a group of people using it, but it's not like you see with mountain hunting where you flip through the pages of a mountain hunting journal and it's every, you know, a high percentage of the pictures where maybe whitetail hunting, you don't see quite as high of a percentage. So, yeah, and, and maybe later we can talk about, you know, what your future plans are, but I, I was curious about the model. Um, you know, I've never seen Kuyu. In a Cabela's or a Sportsman's Warehouse, um, I've never seen it sold online by anybody except Cuyo.com. Um And so, tell us about that model and and you know your opinion of it, how, how it if it helped the brand, how?
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's getting more popular now, but a, a business that's direct to consumer was a new, very new thing ten years ago. Nobody, I I think people had tried it, but nobody had successfully pulled it off in the hunting space.
1: Well, there were Uh, a lot of direct-to-consumer companies, but they were so tiny. So tiny, like little tiny niche camo companies or whatever that they they had their little, uh, you know, a very specific group that followed them. But it was tiny. Nobody had blown it up like Kuyu did.
0: Yeah. And... Yeah, it's, it started out, you know, Jason Harrison built the company on him knowing that there were, there were better materials that he could use out there. Like as he was sourcing um, for the first company that he started, he was finding materials that would outperform what they were currently building with, but sold in a retail model, they would be too expensive. So Mm. they would take a hundred dollar jacket. Like that's what it would cost them to build. Let's just use this for, as an example, and these are just loose numbers. I'm not like these exactly what it costs, but just for this sake of this discussion, let's say they were building a jacket that costs a hundred dollars. That was their, the cost of zippers, thread, material, labor, everything. Like that's what it costs the company to build. They would sell it to a retailer for another, for 200. And then the retailer would sell it to the consumer for close to 400. So at the end of the day they're getting a $100 jacket and they're paying close to $400 for it. So Jason's yep. model was to build a $150 jacket, use better materials. The the cost of goods going into that jacket was more using better ingredients and he he would sell it to the, straight to the consumer for 300 or close to right. $300. So right. it, it, which one would you rather buy? Would you rather buy the $400 jacket that's mostly margin or would you rather buy the $300 jacket that is mostly some margin? Of course, we got to turn the lights on. We got to run a business here, but you're getting way better materials. Yeah. You know, and, and of course the challenge
1: there and one of the reasons it's taken a while for this model to really catch on is it's nice to walk into a store and pick something up off the shelf and try it on and feel it and all of that, but you're paying for that experience. You're actually paying for it because it obviously costs that store money to operate and they also want to have profits and everything else. So that's where that extra margin comes in is your ability to walk in and touch it and feel it with, E-commerce, the way that e-commerce has blown up over the last decade, it has become much more normal now to order something, have it delivered to your house, touch it, feel it, try it on. If you don't like it, send it back. Yeah. If it doesn't fit, send it back. It's the same thing. It's just you're cutting out that in-store experience, which you may think is free at first glance, but it's not free. It's adding right. cost onto the product. You pay for every every bit of it. Yeah. Super interest interesting. Um, So, so you feel that the 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 products that the materials going into Kuyu, um, because the there's fewer sort of middleman or or markups happening along the process. You feel that those pro those those materials are are better than what you could offer in a retail environment.
0: Yeah. So, if we were to sell the exact same jacket that we talked about at a retail setting, it it would cost. $600, $700. 600 dollars. Like it's that, just that's out really price tough.
1: range. Yeah, that's really tough.
0: So, yeah, we we definitely have to give up the the showroom feel. Like we have one showroom in in Dixon, where our offices are at. That's our one store, and everything else is online. Uh, we pre-COVID, we would attend a lot of trade shows uh, throughout the West, and we were we we're targeting some. In the Midwest as well, uh, you know, we were taking Kuyu to the people at the trade shows, and that's where we yeah. would allow them to try it on. We'd help them build their kit and all the ins and outs of, of the gear. Um, but it's been a little more challenging since we haven't had those trade shows. Um, we do have something in the works for this year that I really can't talk about right now, but stay tuned. Um, it'll be cool.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the trade missing those trade shows this last year with COVID was a real bummer for everyone. I mean, from outfitters to manufacturers, to the consumers, the hunters, the people that enjoyed those shows. Uh, however, your, your model seems to have done pretty well still.
0: Yeah. I think we bucked the trend. Um, like we stayed really busy throughout yeah. this whole ordeal. Um, well,
1: congratulations. It, it must be, it must be, have something to do with the 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 great work that the marketing directing man. what is it called again
0: well it was a team effort i'm not going to take credit for all that but, <laughs> i'm just um, kidding with you. so good. give me
1: give me an example uh kevin of of some materials that are that could be substituted for you know, more expensive materials, like cheap versus expensive. What are some corners that could be cut? Some things that you should watch out for when you're looking at products?
0: That's a great question. Um, because like on a showroom floor, like let's face it, there's a lot of good gear out there. Like people are building quality stuff. And when we first started out, like the gap, like it was just crazy difference between um, what what was available and and what we were building, and you know people have copied us if if as time's gone on, but really like I look at the ingredients label. Um, if you want to know like a like a good quality pair of outdoor pants, I feel like if they have any spandex in them whatsoever or elastic spandex elastics elastane, that's a filler that's used to make the product the fabric stretch Mm -hmm. so that's one thing to look for so so spandex
1: spandex i have heard it talked about negatively a lot tell me why though i want to understand what is it about spandex i know it's inexpensive but some just because something's inexpensive doesn't mean it's bad what what makes spandex less effective
0: number one it's heavy it adds a lot of weight
1: to the
0: to the garment um, so well, I know, I know
1: you, that's a big deal you yeah. the gear is so light
0: and that that's always been paramount for us is making something ultra lightweight that without sacrificing durability or performance. Yep. So it's been proven time and time again, that human performance is directly related to the weight of what's on your back or your legs or your feet. Um, well, and rest-
1: especially when you're loading up a 14 day pack, Sure. I mean, That's- if you load up a 14-day pack full of clothing, the pack itself, all you know, your tent, sleeping bag, and you add all of that stuff together and you add a few, you know, just a few ounces to each of those. Ounces equal pounds. Yep. When you add them up, and you're talking the difference of, you know, maybe five pounds, maybe 10 pounds yep. if you're yeah, using yeah. and I and I've seen more extreme cases for sure, but using the you know, pretty light stuff to ultra light stuff it's a five or 10 pound difference on a 14 day pack.
0: Yep. And that, that can be the difference between whether you decide to bring a spotting scope or not. The things that are, right. that are vital, vitally belong in your pack to where you hit the limit and you're like, okay, I got to leave my spotting scope at home or my tripod. I, yeah, I mean the, the benefits of being light on your feet are more than proven. Like the, the U S army did studies back in the sixties and seventies about human performance and and how your body is affected by having weight on your back and any way we can trim that weight regardless of how good a shape you're in if you have extra weight on you it slows you down doesn't matter right. how good a shape you Yeah
1: you're in. that's right so, um, so, spandex so spandex is heavy
0: Adds a lot of weight what else what else um it's slow to dry like when you get a fabric wet which happens when you're when you're out hunting unless you just don't hunt in the rain, which I personally do. I know you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when your gear gets wet and you have to wear it dry, that can be very miserable. When you have a filler like spandex woven throughout the fabric that's retaining water, like it, it gets super uncomfortable. You're miserable trying to wear something dry when it's littered with spandex. Right. Um. Another aspect of it, since it retains water, w- w- that sweat as well. When you're when you're hiking hard and and you're sweating, and it's not evaporating and it's staying, it's sticking to your clothing. Um, that's you're a breeding cooling. ground for bacteria yeah. and smell. Like there you go, right, Alan? When you go on a fourteen day backpack, how many pairs of pants do you typically take? One. You so you wear the same pair of pants from day absolutely. one? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, Well, you know, I have
1: I have a pair of rain pants and and a pair of mountain pants like I wore the Kutana last year and I have uh, one pair of thin long johns. So I have three bottom layers. So if I need to make my pants feel like they're clean, I just put my long johns underneath and they feel clean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's you're the guy we're building this gear for somebody that can wear a pair of pants 14 days straight. And if you have a pair, a pant that's littered with spandex, they get blown out after the, the, the fabric fatigues, it stretches out. Um, it's growing bacteria. It's got a bad smell to it. You probably be, if you're, if your pants, if you're everybody, anybody at home that's listening to this, they're looking at their hunting pants right now to see what their spandex content is. It might be okay for like day hunting, but that stuff will not fly on a 14 day hunt. Right. That is who we're building our gear for.
1: Okay. So it's heavy. It doesn't dry. It, it breaks down. Those are pretty dang good reasons. I'm glad I asked you because I've heard about it so many times in the negative light and that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, and it stinks, which yeah. I hate. I absolutely yeah. hate. I only wear wool against my skin because wool has such, you know, good antibacterial and anti- antimicrobial properties that it, it, it's really hard to make it stink. I mean,
0: in less, or maybe, or maybe,
1: maybe that's true. And maybe over 14 days, the increase in odor is just so gradual that I can't perceive it. And I really do stink and I just don't know it, <laughs> but there's a huge difference. You know, I used to wear like a polypropylene, like back in the day, that stuff would reek like after, you know, a few days, I'd be like, I can't even take this. And I switched to wool and I couldn't believe the difference. amazing yeah
0: it's it wool is like a fascinating fabric material like it is what do you mean by that what do you like about it it, so number one it's like the thermal regulating property of it meaning Mm. so like the merino sheep they're mountain sheep that we in new zealand that's where our merino wool comes from They, they don't get hot they can sit in the sun all day and they can sit mm. in the snow, in a storm all day, in the rain, and they their their temperature is regulated. So, um, is it super hot? You know, it, it breeds really well. It's cooling, and as it gets cold, it's insulating. So, right. Um, as long as it's woven properly. So, just because something's made out of merino doesn't mean that it's good.
1: Okay. So, how would I know if something's woven properly? What what is the weaving process called?
0: So there's a, there's a few different ways of doing it. Like your run of the mill Merino wool is ring spun. So I'm an archer. I'm a bow hunter. I've been around bowstring building my whole life. And so I I think of ring spun as like a bowstring. So when you twist up a bowstring, the inside fibers of the bowstring don't get any play, right? It's only the outside fibers. When you twist them up, it's only the outside fibers that are doing the work which is fantastic for building a bowstring. But inside a, a clothing that you're wearing, you want that those merino fibers to be opened up like they are on a, the back of a sheet. They're not twisted mm-hmm. up. They twist them to make them more durable. And so when you twist them, it constricts the performance. So only the outer fibers are able to breathe. They're, they're Only those outer fibers are able to absorb moisture. Now, the one cool thing about merino is it. It that it's why it's one of the reason why I feel like it's better than a synthetic is it begins to absorb body vapor before it turns to sweat. So as you start hiking and building up a sweat or just the body vapor coming off before it's turned to a liquid, your merino is already working. Where whereas a synthetic, like the polypropylene you talked about, it can't absorb any moisture until it's turned into a liquid. Hmm. So The way we weave our merino, we take all the twist out and it's reinforced over a nylon core. So it's basically wrapped around it. It's not twisted. And so every individual fiber in that merino shirt can work its magic of absorbing moisture. It's
1: a completely, in theory, a completely untwisted wool fiber that is held in place by some sort of nylon base so uh, the wool is sort of woven across this nylon i'm trying to imagine it it's sort of woven across this nylon so that it it is allowed to breathe and all the fibers are free and they're not twisted so tight that they can't do their job is that is that what you're saying
0: and that allows us to make lighter weight merino that actually outperforms a heavyweight merino a lot of people think that when something's it has to be heavy to insulate well which isn't true um so since we remove that twist, it improves the loft, the loftiness mm-hmm. of the of the fibers. So we can run our merinos down to a one twenty five weight, where you look at any of our competitors, and their their merino base layers are close to like a one eighty. They're they're closer to two hundred. So mm-hmm. we can run a, a way lighter fabric that has more loft, so it's going to insulate better. But when you need it and on a hot day when it, when you're wearing it, like since that has more loft, it allows more air to permeate through. Um, you just get better performance all around. And, and like our synthetic fibers, we, we do not weave with spandex. So anytime you put mixed spandex in with a Merino wool, in a ring spun fashion, it it really constricts the performance. Um, Hmm. it's slow to dry. Like our Merino dries, like it, and this isn't me just making up figures or you making up figures. We've had our merino tested independently in New Zealand by ag research. And they're the ones that are telling us that your guys' merino dries five times faster than a, than a run-of-the-mill ring spun. Wow.
1: That's, a, that's incredible. I mean, anecdotally, I've noticed how fast it dries, um, especially when you have it on your body you know if you have a damp shirt and and you yep. sit in your tent tent for an hour i mean the thing dries really fast so so let's talk a little bit about layering then cuz i want to i want to clarify some stuff you know people you know when people take things to an extreme when when you hear something that wool is really awesome and wool has all these amazing amazing characteristics and so somebody might think oh great well i'm going to go buy pure wool i'm just going to wear five layers of wool um, and and I think I mean personally, and you, I mean you can give your opinion as well. But I, I personally love wool against my my skin, in, in particular the the lighter weight kuyu uh, merinos. I, I love them against my skin. And then on top of those, I like to wear um, synthetics. So uh, uh, you know, like I'll go to like you know a, a Peloton, like a Peloton hoodie. I love that jacket. And then if it gets colder, I'll maybe put on a Kenai Ultra or, or, um, or a down if it gets really cold. And so I, I start layering out from that wool and, and I have that as the base. And occasionally I do have, I can't remember the weight. I think it's the Pro Merino. What weight is that? 200. 200. So I work that in sometimes. So I'll put the 200 weight wool over the top of my, my, um, my base layer wool, and that's two layers of wool. But I don't know that I've ever put on more than two layers of wool. Where then I'll start adding other fabrics. Um, I, I think that if you if you built something completely out of wool, um, you would maybe not. I, I think it would be a little heavy for one. Um, and and it uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe a, a properly built synthetic will still dry faster than than wool even if it's built perfectly. I mean it's You're just, it's just on, the right? nature of it. Yeah.
0: Once wool gets wet, it it likes to stay wet. Like it's on its own, it's it's slower to dry. Like once it absorb it so wool does a fantastic job of absorbing moisture, whether that's sweat or water or whatever, it likes to absorb it, but once it's absorbed it, it doesn't know what to do with it. So by you layering a synthetic which has a fantastic wicking, um, property to it Mm -hmm. by putting a, a synthetic over Merino, it, it it wicks the moisture out of the wool through capillary action. It draws it out. So and it, it's a, it's a mechanical thing. Like it's not just like when you, when you layer a synthetic over wool, it, it pulls it out of, and it helps it dry a lot faster.
1: So I've seen that for sure.
0: we've, We've leveraged that, By building. um, Now a Merino synthetic blend is nothing new. People have been doing that for ages, but with our pro Merino that you mentioned, it's Merino on the inside, hundred percent. Everything that's touching your skin is 100% Merino. So you're not having any synthetic fibers on the skin side, uh, on the inside of, of the, of the fabric Um, on the outside. It's, it's synthetic. And so, is that gets wet on, from on the inside the synthetic fibers draws it out draws it out and there's little mm-hmm. islets that that are like cooling fins it just gives it more surface area and it evaporates super fast
1: that's genius man that's totally genius to reveal- because they're literally connected they're they're they're, uh, yeah, they're woven, woven together, together to, to you know adhere the two the two uh, fabrics and so even more than like wearing a, a wool shirt with a synthetic shirt over the top those are touching each other in a lot of places but they're not perfectly woven together I mean that that pro merino I would imagine that the drying the drying of the wool on the inside is probably you know optimized in a big
0: way with, through our tests it dries four times faster than an equally weighted pure merino. So if you take a 200, even your merino. Yeah. So if you take a, wow. a 200 weight pure merino and compare it to a 200 weight, um, uh, pro merino, which it has half the amount of actual merino. Cause the other half is, um, is a synthetic, but it dries four times faster.
1: W- would you estimate then that the pro merino has about 50% wool and 50% synthetic?
0: Not exactly sure. I'd have to look, but it's close.
1: Like, Yeah, okay. You know, it's really interesting because I've never actually worn the Pro Merino against my skin.
0: I, I see never. it more as a mid-layer. Like, uh, uh, yeah, That's what I thought, but it,
1: it, it would make sense to use it on a cold day. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. I
0: typically wear like a 125 or a 145 um, weighted. And I, I know a lot of people are thinking like, they got to be like, wool next to your skin. Are you guys kidding me? But the way we, it's measured by microns, like how, how much or how I get, I'm trying to put this in a way, but the, the micron rating of our Merino is a 17.5, which is like the smoothest, smoothest Merino you can get. So it's super soft. It's itch free. Um, I've never once felt like
1: there was anything itchy about Kuyu wool.
0: Yeah. never. Put it once. On, like, it, oh no. It's beautiful. Like, if, it if feels like never cotton. It,
1: honestly, it feels like soft cotton.
0: Yeah, definitely. It really does. Like, yeah. And, and that's another important thing for guys to look at. If they're comparing brand to brand, look at the micron level. Ours is 17.5, which is as low as it gets. It's the highest quality Merino, um, rating as far as the, the softness is concerned. Um, I think most are running closer to like a 20 plus. Yeah. yeah. But, uh,
1: yeah, it's, that's, that's it's awesome, man. Now, problem. now wool isn't, it, wool is not the most durable of fabrics. Um, I have seen though, that, that the 125 Cuyo Merino is, is decently durable. I mean, it's, it's not gonna measure up against like a nylon or something like that, sure. but, but it, it's decently durable. How is that achieved through that? The weaving process with the nylon—is that how that durability is achieved? Yeah,
0: so uh, we gain a lot of durability using nylon core uh, in our yarns, and 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 you also get a lot better stretch than what you would with a with with a spandex mixed mm-hmm. ring ring spun fabric. When we untwist all those fibers, they almost have a springing effect. When they're woven together, they they have a natural, I guess, elasticity to them, but without using any elastic. So you have really good stretch. Um, when you do stretch it out, it does recover really fast. The durability of merino it it's not like a fabric that you would want to wear busting through brush. Um, no, but I definitely have. yeah, I have too. like you you'll yeah. get a few snags here and there. but if you if durability is like of utmost importance, I would recommend one of our peloton base layers. yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's a
1: really great point, Kevin. you know. I, I hear this a lot uh, from from friends looking at getting KUYU. They say, "Well, w- I don't understand. What's the difference between this this Peloton base layer layer and this Merino base layer? Or what's the difference? I mean, they'll they'll come up with all kinds of products that are that are close. They're similar, like the Kutana pant compared to the Attack pant, or the Guide jacket versus um, the uh, Axis jacket." right? There's a lot of like these very similar products that have, you know, maybe at first glance, you think these things are pretty close, but in the details, there's some pretty big differences that get some pretty different results. You know, when I'm, when I'm backpacking, I always have my Merino, uh, base layer, but I, I have a Peloton base layer as well that I carry with me. Sometimes they go on at the same time with the Peloton over, but there are hot days where I'm out hiking around where i just wear the peloton i like it it feels good i can i don't have to worry about it getting torn on stuff and all of that so that's a they may look almost identical but they're very different you know the, the merino is gonna avoid uh, you know this the, the sm- bad smell better uh it, it it should have some wicking some great wicking properties and and some insulative properties as well um where the Peloton is more of a durable, it does wick, of course, too. It's a synthetic; it's going to wick really well. Um, but well, give me, so give me, like, how do you, like, let's use an example or two. Like, let's talk about the katana and the, the 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 Attack Pant. Um, they look so similar, like it's the same. You would you could take either of those on a sheep hunt and be very happy. And I see differences, but but let's give an example of how products that look pretty similar are actually. There are there are some cool key differences.
0: Yeah, and I would recommend when I look at them in their in solid colors. So when you're looking at them in camo colors, like when you're ah. on the site, toggle through and look at it, see what it looks like in a solid. And sometimes that get when you when you have something it's all camo, they just look camo. Like it's hard to tell the difference between the two. So that's that's one thing to help when you're trying to distinguish between one pant or the tip. other. Yeah, because you'll uh, see the cut and the seams and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you'll see. So the difference between the attack pant, which is like our number one, it's like it was the first pant we came out with and it's still our number one. It's like we we call it if the pant to own if you could only own one. So like if you had to buy one pair of pants to last you the rest of your life, it would undoubtedly be a Kuyu attack pant. Uh, nice. They're made out of, a prime flex polyester. So I know we've talked a lot about spandex. The, it, it's a spiraled yarn that's spandex free. And when it's woven together, that's where all the stretch comes from. It's, it's like, it's got a sp- springiness to it almost. So it, it, they've got, they have fantastic stretch. Um, and I've had, I've had, I've had, poly- spring- uh,
1: I've had those, you know, attack pants. I've had s- several of them for many years. And I've worn them and I, I, I buy my pants pretty tight too. So I'm like utilizing the stretch and it, they, they have amazing memory. They don't ever yeah. stretch out. I, I, I've never had a pair where like, Oh, these are getting old. They're starting to get loose They They maintain that somehow.
0: Yeah. I still have the very first pair of Kuyu attack pants. I bought in 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I still wear them. I wore them the other day. Um, they have, Seen the inside of my washing machine more than anything I know. Anything that uh, I own, like they, I still wear. Like I don't wear them for hardcore stuff anymore. But there's like a little bit of nostalgia behind them because I've had them for so long. Like I've delivered babies in them. <laughs> like I've I've, <laughs> I've I've killed deer with them, elk. Like I I've shot tournaments with. Them. Like I've worn those pants everywhere. They've been around the world, and I still wear them. Yeah, I'll wear them to the yeah. office. They still look pretty good. Um anyway uh so the katana pan is made out of a nylon so the we we launched the katana lineup in 2019 and you know we couldn't improve the nylon materials themselves like we were already using the highest grade of nylon material money can buy um but by layering or weaving them in new ways in a, in a new revolutionary way, we are able to increase the durability, the stretch. Like it's a, it's an amazing fabric. Like they're bomb. I can't
1: believe, I can't believe how thin they are and how durable they are.
0: They wear like iron, but they are like, you can feel the wind blow right through them. Like they're, they're very breathable. They're very durable. I took them on. Um, I've been, since it came out, I've been, pretty much exclusively wearing the Katana stretch woven pant. Uh, They do have a little bit of a sleeker fit than the attack. um, But the biggest difference is they're woven with nylon, whereas the, the attack pant is woven with polyester.
1: Yeah. Um, So I I feel like the Katana is a a lighter weight pant. Uh, It's a little bit, the material is a little bit thinner. Uh, It has less warmth to it than the attack pant. Um, but I feel like it is every bit as durable, even with that thin fabric. So in any sort of warm weather hunting, the, the Kutana is my go-to pant. And I know that Tiburon is another warm weather pant, but the durability of the Kutana is just, it's so unbeatable. Um, I I definitely go for that one. And then once it gets into like later September, I I probably transition to my attack pant because it's a little bit warmer yeah. and more substantial
0: for sure the attack is a better cool weather pant um the katana does fantastic throughout the summer and in warmer hunts i did a texas hunt um first of january where we were hunting javelina and anybody that's hunted south texas knows like the thorns and the prickly pear and everything you everything you encounter down there has a thorn on it yeah and I wore the same pants for 3 days straight and like just blasting through that brush like my my legs were littered with um thorns they yep. like, they poked through it's not like they're thorn resistant but I didn't get any snags or pulled fibers or anything like whereas with an attack you would get a few snags or a few pulled fibers if right. in that kind of terrain It so yeah, makes very, sense. very very pick resistant yeah
1: Um, What about, say, the guide jacket and the Axis jacket?
0: They're very similar. They're both a soft shell jacket. Um, So it's a tightly woven um, exterior. I think everybody probably has a soft shell jacket of sorts. So it's a very tightly woven uh, polyester on the outside, and it's a fleece lined on the inside. So very quiet, um, very durable where the axis separates itself is with its hybrid design. So, the the hood, the tops of the shoulders, and the tops of the arms on the axis are one hundred percent waterproof. We uh, laminate a Dermazax breathable membrane. So the same the, same membrane you're using on
1: the Chugach rain gear or any yep. of those those rain gears. Okay.
0: So if anybody's not familiar with what a a breathable waterproof membrane is it it allows body vapor or sweat to to pass through so as you start to hike and build up a sweat um it allows perspiration to go through but it the it, but it will not allow water to seep in uh-huh. so that axis is waterproof on the tops of the shoulders which is nice like um and it doesn't feel like rain gear when you're wearing it like it's super comfortable it's got nice stretch to it
1: yeah, because really um, the rain gear is just on the the stuff that's exposed to the sky, so you got like basically kind of like half of the you know, like the tops of the shoulders. Like imagine like a shoulder pad, and then the top of the arm, right? Yep. And the hood all the way is that down. Is the
0: sleeve. And we've seam taped all those joints, so yep. they're you, you flip it inside out, you can see that it has the the seam tape, seam seal, so it's not going to leak through on any of the the joints on the shoulder and and it uh, breathes
1: so incredibly well because I mean, not only does, does, you know, the breathable fabric, uh, the, the waterproof breathable fabric breathe well, but this is next level because only half the jacket is made out of it. So the other half is breathing like a normal fabric.
0: Yeah. So across your back where your pack would rest or your underarms, um, they're all highly breathable. Um, and those water, the waterproof paneling also adds a level of wind resistance as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, a guy, if you're, if you don't ever plan on wearing, you know, if you're not encountering a lot of rain or you just want a soft shell, like when I, I I'm not a big soft shell guy. Um, But when I do wear one is like, when I'm around the truck kind of thing, like mm-hmm. scouting or going to shoot a 3d or I don't know, going to the gun range, whatever. Like that's when I'll wear a soft shell, but when I'm backpacking in, I I typically leave soft shells at home. Yeah, I agree.
1: I do the same thing. A a soft shell jacket is amazing for day hunting, which, you know, I do a ton of mountain hunting and backpack hunting, but every time I add it up at the end of the year, still more than half of my hunting is not backpack hunting. It's... You know, a lodge-based sort of setup, or a, you know, using a truck, or quads, or or stand hunting, or whatever. And the soft shells are awesome for that stuff. Yeah, I, think I don't normally like rolling up a soft shell and putting it in, in my putting it in my backpack. I don't feel like it's the most compact and lightweight thing I could could carry for the same amount of warmth and benefit. I like some of the other. So there, there we go again. Another, uh, you know, when people say, "Why do they have so many jackets?" Well they're all very different and they do very different things. Um, I, I, I love the amount of choices I get when I look through the Kuyu webpage. It's, it's incredible how like every little, uh, it, well, this hunt's going to be more like this. Oh, this product would be perfect for that. Um, except let me ask you that. Let's, let's go back to this. What about whitetail? Now, I, and I wear my Kuyu whitetail hunting and it works amazing. I have a, a layering system I've worked out Actually, I could talk about it real quick. I, I, I wear wool against my skin, and then, um, then I go to a, um, a Kenai Ultra uh, insulator. And then, if it's really cold, I add the Pro Down. And then on the outside, I buy an oversized uh, Peloton hoodie because it's so quiet um and if it happened to be a day where a little bit of rain was expected then i would actually what we were just talking about the axis jacket i have an oversized axis jacket my only my only criticism of that system would be the cost because to put all those products together right now i use all of them for other hunts so it's no big deal for me to buy all of that for a whitetail hunt and it works amazing like i wouldn't i would there's nothing i would prefer more than that but if there were more of a, a warmer whitetail product that was kind of designed around that, uh, what are your thoughts on that I mean has that been discussed? I'm sure it's been discussed
0: yeah definitely as we grow you know we're we're we definitely have our eye on on that kind of thing but um yeah you you've been able to take the the, the current product line and build you a, a layering system that works fantastic for the type of hunting you're doing that is the beauty of a layering system is you can Scale your comfort by pulling out certain layers or adding others in, so you're so you you maintain comfort regardless of the condition, whether you're glassing and holding still or you're hiking really hard. Like, like we we have the layers that you can fill in, and you're right, it is costly to do it that way. And yeah, stay tuned. We're always working on. Yeah. But to your point, the Axis lineup is awesome for whitetail. The who has ever sat down in a you know a, a wet tree stand seat for the day? It's miserable. Like yep. the seat on those Axis pants are 100 waterproof, but you get the breathability on the tops of the legs and the, and from like the knees down. So as you're hiking to the stand, um, you know, and you're picking up residual water off the vegetation, it's it's not getting soaked in because the from the knees down, it's it's all waterproof and also the seat. Yeah. So it's really quiet too. It's it's probably one of our quietest pants we've got so
1: yeah and and for the majority of whitetail hunting like something like an axis pant and jacket with just a regular shirt or two on underneath is going to be more than enough especially if you're going to sit for an evening um and the only time you might get into the extreme layering like i was doing is when it's very cold and you're doing like 12 hour sits and and those i mean (laughs) i don't care who you are man if it's below freezing and you're sitting for 12 hours in a stand, it is absolutely cold. Like I have never honestly, I don't ever get that cold in Alaska as <laughs> I do sitting in a t- tree stand in the Midwest on a on a, a day in the teens. It is freezing. And so then you get into some of the more, you know, elaborate layering systems, which by the way, man, I have never found anything as warm as the Pro Down. That thing is unbelievable. I get, as soon as you put it on, it feels like a heater bodysuit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's amazing how it, uh, you can feel the heat getting trapped. Literally like within a minute, you feel like warmth bouncing back at your body.
0: It weighs 13 ounces. The hooded version. It's unbelievable. It has just over five ounces of it's insulated with the European goose down. So for the longest time down, was considered a very poor choice for hunting because of what would happen if down gets wet, right? Mm-hmm. Like it loses all loft, like it gets matted right. up. Yep. Anybody that's ever washed a down comforter comforter knows like as soon as it gets wet it just collapses and it loses all insulation ability. But uh so we I dude I love our product line. It's so fascinating. <laughs> like and I and I'm the same way while I worked at Hoy. Like I'd get so fascinated by the bows. And like just the technology behind them. So like our, our down, we, you know, we start with the finest down, down is like the lightest and warmest insulating layer known to man. Like there's nothing that can be as light and as warm as down insulation. So we start with European goose down and then we, um, You know, it's more, there's more to it than just sourcing good down. Like anybody can go source goose down. Like that's, that's not a hard thing to do. It's how it's, it's how we perfect the down. Have you ever had New York pizza? Yeah. Like New York pizza is like the best pizza in the world, right? Like world right now, like New York pizza is the best. So you get these restaurants that have a very successful pizza business in New York And they go to L.A. or California or wherever, and they try to use the same tried and true family recipes of the best pizza in the world. And they take it to California, and it it doesn't work out. It's not the same. And you know what the difference is? Using the same ingredients, it's the water. It's the water. Really? Yeah. The, The New York pizza... It's just the way the water reacts with the yeast. It just makes a better dough. It makes a better pizza. So, our down is processed at Kawata Feather in Japan. The water that comes out of the mountain there is so pure and so clean, and it's just like it has everything that's absolutely perfect for processing down. And and they're the way they clean and, and and get all the fodder and the dirt and the debris out of the down um it's it just it's revolutionary the, the the quality of down that we're able to produce by just changing where where it, the, the by the process of refining it
1: so you're, you're saying that you use european down that's processed in japan correct okay that's that's something yeah. um and is, so kuyu i mean you're manufacturing in how many different countries
0: we're global, like we're, we're sourcing around the world, like, okay, and we do it with whoever's best, but you know, we back to the down, we take, you know, we take the best down you can get, we perfect it. And then we treat it with a, a DWR, a durable water repellent. And we basically make it waterproof and we don't just make up these figures and we send our down to the IDFL. They're actually located not far from Hoyt. They're in Salt Lake city. And they like third-party test our down and they have like a water shake test. And if you get on our website and click on the learn page, kuyu.com learn, you'll see all those videos. Um, but they, they put the, the down in a water bottle and they shake it. Well, they stop it at different intervals to see if the down still floats or if it becomes saturated. And they stop the test at like a thousand shakes. And are, are down still after a thousand shakes and a water bottle still floats to the top with zero compromise. Right. So now you have the lightest, warmest insulation known to man, waterproofed, so you can use it in, in your insulating layers. So it, you still wouldn't want to wear your down as rain gear, right? But like what happens if your pack takes a spill out of the boat or it gets submersion water or whatever? Like, Yeah, yeah or sleep- lot-
1: your sleeping bag for that matter. Exactly. You know, that's, that's a big deal. I used to, when well, I I've used a down sleeping bag for 20 years, but I, I used to carry a bivy sack, a small cortex bivy to put over my down bag because I was afraid of it getting wet. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. You know, because of my Kuyu bags, I have the confidence that the, the down, even if it gets a little bit wet, it's not going to freak out and ball up. Sure. So that's, that's good stuff, man. Well, you know, it's interesting cause you know, I, this, the camo industry, industry, you know, and I, I don't even, I don't like calling it a camo industry. I don't know wh- why I even said that because really it's clothing and gear and, and, you know, it's equipment made, made for certain conditions. But of course we, we put camo on it and, and it kind of gets put in that class. Right. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you get the comments all the time you know, from people when you, you have your, you're wearing your camo or, or even, you know, on Instagram or something. And they say, you know, why do you need all of that stuff? Like I've killed a bunch of deer wearing a flannel shirt and Levi's out of my tree stand and they never see me and on and on. And, and, you know, you, you run into outfitters in Alaska that yeah, I, I saw an outfitter once he, he walked out of, out of camp on a one week hunt, Kevin, one week. And the very first thing he did five minutes out of camp in his Levi's and leather boots is he walked across the river and got soaking wet and tromped right up the mountain on a week-long hunt. And five minutes into the week-long hunt, he was soaking wet, you know? And so that guy would say, why do you need all this fancy stuff? You know, how, how would you
0: respond to that? I, I laugh when like, I don't know, I, I hear, you hear it all the time. You read it all the time. Like, you, why do you need all this fancy stuff? I've done it for X amount of years doing it this way. Well, like, clearly, like, how miserable was that guy trying to wear that? I mean, he's got to be pretty tough dude to be able to pull that off. But, like, sure, if you try to wear something dry that's made out of cotton, it's miserable. Especially if you do it for 14 days straight. Like, yeah. And... Really, you? Yeah, you can go out and and kill deer with a with a stick and a string. Like you can do it with an old Hoyt bow. You don't need a new Hoyt bow. I say they're when they say that you don't need it. Yeah, they're not wrong. Like you can still get out and go kill animals without having super fancy gear. But I, I like being comfortable when I do it. Yeah, because it's those little comforts you have of being warm, dry, that will keep you on the mountain for an extended amount of time. You're not going home early because you're not comfortable.
1: Yeah. Well, as, as a matter of fact, you know, when I first started backpack hunting, uh, 21 years ago now, um, or 22, anyway, a long time ago that I, I tried wearing, I tried buying camo at that time and, and it was all cotton. It was all, it was not, not good gear. And I would wear it into the mountains and I was miserable, absolutely miserable mountain goat hunting, things like that. And so what I started doing was wearing like mountain hardware and North face and, and that kind of gear. And that's all I used. And I, I just, I actually would wear, I would bring like a mesh camo shirt that I would throw on over my gear for the stock. And, and that, but that's all I would carry camo and everything else was mountaineering gear. And, uh, when this new evolution came out, and I and I started wearing Kuyu, and I think it was 2011, I I was so comfortable. I could not believe the difference, and and you know it was easily as good as the other stuff I was wearing. But over the next few years, it got better to the point where you know I'll go on these you know two week you know self sustained, uh, self guided backpack hunts in like Southeast Alaska, where it literally pours rain nonstop. And I really never get wet. I mean, I get a little bit wet, but then I just dry it out real quick in the tent. I mean, it it doesn't become an issue. I am warm and dry for 14 days in some of the most inhospitable country in the world. And that, do, do you need the gear? Well, I'll tell you what, staying warm and dry for 14 days in that country is impossible without the right gear. It's impossible unless you stay in your tent the whole time.
0: Yeah, and who wants you know? to do that?
1: No, that's not what you're out there. You know, nope. and so it, it's it's pretty incredible the technology, what it's done for our comfort. For sure,
0: yeah. Uh, and I, I challenge anybody if you think your gear, your your red flannel shirt and your jeans are perfectly fine, go get soaked wearing them and try to wear them dry and tell me how much fun it is. And then and then how do it, it with takes. our gear. Like seriously, I can take my pants out of the washer throw them on and it's yeah you can tell they're damp but they're dry quick like and, yeah. and it's not like i take care of my gear really like i throw it in the dryer like I, it's not like i'm pampering anything that i own um but it just makes life so much better when you're in those miserable conditions yeah well that's well said i, I i've
1: enjoyed this It's uh, been instructive uh I've, I've, I've learned a lot about, you know, the wool and the down that's, I appreciate you sharing that. Hopefully everybody's found this, this, uh, interesting to, to learn a little bit more of the science behind the gear. Um, Kevin, do you got any closing remarks? Uh, you, you said it's a 10 year anniversary literally today.
0: That's, that's absolutely incredible. Are we going to see like some announcements or anything on that? Sure. So we'll, we'll make a a subtle announcement today. This is a 10 years since we pulled the lever on Kuyu and, um, but for the month of April, we've got some incredible things planned. Like um, we're, we're partnering up with Hoyt. We will be giving away a bow and a complete Kuyu layering kit. Um, so a, a bow and Kuyu and, and all the gear. Nice. We'll be giving that away on Hoyt's social. So, so stay tuned on that. Um, on our social platforms, stay tuned on there. We're, we're going to be giving away like a $10,000 gift card for nice. just a full-on shopping spree for Kuyu. Like t- you imagine winning 10 grand worth of our gear. Like I get excited just thinking about it and hundreds of other prizes. Like we're making a deal out of it. This is going to be cool. Like we've been out of 10 years cool. and it, it's, it's a fun way for us to show our appreciation to all of our customers.
1: Well, by the time we get this podcast edited and uh, queued up here, it will probably be right in the middle of that. So, sure. uh, as you're hearing this podcast, check out uh, Kuyu's, Kuyu and Hoyt's Instagram accounts uh, to see what's going on with this. That that sounds super exciting. And you know, it's such a pleasure to me. And I know, um, Kevin, you feel the same way to work with these two brands, Kuyu and Hoyt. Yeah. They they really do have a lot of similarities in their innovation and also uh, their demand for quality um, and, and making sure they're building durable and gimmick free products um it's they're they're two companies that i really admire and i i I, it's a huge honor and privilege to work with them so well buddy nice talking to you
0: yeah thanks alan